check. <laughs> you have a lot of rules. I do? Yeah. It's time for the Art and Science Punks, the podcast where we talk about art, science, and technology. As punks, we love to create, to explore, to fail, to learn, to succeed, and to listen to loud music. I'm one of your punks, Kate Stenzinger, and with me tonight and every night is my amazing punk partner. Hey, I am Rob Stenzinger. What do you want to talk about tonight, Robbie? Uh, <laughs> How about art and science? <laughs> yeah, okay. Premise. Premise of uh, what this is about is built into the title. Tonight, tonight we're going to talk about the Instapot. We prepped it. We, mm. we no, it wasn't prepped it. What did it, you? Uh, we hinted and foreshadowed. Te- teased, for, yeah, foreshadowed, yeah. So it's time. It's time to unveil the Instapot. The Instapot. Let's ride the Instapot wave. Is, is it a, like a popular you know, thing? Honestly, I think I'm probably a year behind the Instapot oh. craze, but here we are. You know, it, isn't that how it works, though, with uh, coastal states versus um, central states? We get the trend a little bit later. Oh, is, that, is this a, a byproduct of me being a Midwesterner? Yeah. We, you know, um, horses and pigeons and things take a long time to cross the uh the vast expanse of the center center of the US United States horses yeah. pigeons and what else uh things yeah okay it takes a while so, i did i did I mean, not know the the pigeons were delivering the instapots honestly didn't know sure well you know <clears throat> it's there are a lot of details of the uh, mail delivery system that are mysterious <laughs> touche mm-hmm All right, so, hey, before we jump into Instapot joy and Instapot love and the um, ode to the pressure cooker that we shall commence, okay, um, I wanted to check in and say happy Inktober. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. And a happy Inktober to you as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's going. I'm surprised that... uh, You're surprised that it's Inktober? So far, I'm not surprised that it's October. Nor that it's uh, another creative challenge kind of month, which you know, which we talked about last episode. Q four, man, artists and their Q four creative challenges. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. I don't know. Um, I, uh, you know, it's a community gets its own sort of set of habits and quirks, and I think quirks attract more quirks. So you, you know near the end of the year, I think two big things um, were sort of big big banners, big things that people would circle around mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. it comes to creative stuff. And I think maybe more than this, but in my time, I've, I've, there's a uh, 24-hour comic day yes. that's been around for a um, couple decades. And then there's, well, NaNoWriMo. Uh, NaNoWriMo? Good health. <laughs> okay. So, okay, you haven't heard. I have not. This is. This, is, this is an unfamiliar term uh, okay. for me. So, I mean, I've heard the term nano, and I've heard the term rhino. <laughs> it's not little rhino. <laughs> little rhino. Little tiny rhino. Um, that would make a good shirt, though, for <laughs> nano, NaNoWriMo. Dang. 
I wish. All right. So, all right. Setting that aside, the um, National Write a Novel in a Month. Oh, creative challenge. Wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, that is that's that's pretty wild. And so that is a thirty day challenge. I don't know. I think no- they're November. I think they're wimps. What? You comic artists do it in twenty four hours. That's <laughs> like Let's throw down. That's some smack talk. I know. I Yeah. Visual art versus prose. Yeah. Get some get some top get some tension going on. Um no, it's it that I think that, okay. So it's it's kind of cool that you, you didn't know or hadn't heard about NaNoWriMo. You know, now that you say it, I think I have heard. Okay. I think I think you and I have talked about it before. But uh-huh. yes, share more. And that's that's a whole um, that's a creative challenge in the month of November. And I I feel like it was one of the early ones that helped spread the popularity of this idea of like oh, oh interesting. interesting, do something repeatedly for a month. I look forward to reading your novel in December. Yeah, I'm not doing that one. Oh. So I'm one of the, you know, huh? the the folks who came along later and said, hey, creative challenge, that sounds great. Um, what if we did something else instead of the writing? And <laughs> sure. Yeah, and so Jersey Drozd and I started um, Art Sound Off, and that's what uh, I'll be doing in November as a creative challenge. Nice. And okay, all right. So why creative challenge? If if you're you're new to all this stuff, uh, there's a community aspect of it, and there's a uh, so sort of a urge to participate. Where you know, let's say you haven't haven't published as much as you want to publish mm-hmm. of, of late, and want to just you know say hi, hey, I'm part of this community. Um, this. Uh, this is a good opportunity to do that. Nice. Because it's, it's, it's a time when people are looking around saying, hey, who's here? Oh, nice. Hey, good job. Welcome and all that kind of stuff. So it's got the community angle. It's got the practice and, and you know, go for it angle. And it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a thing you can, you can take it, whatever your comfort level is, and say sure. that at the end of it, all right, I did that thing. So that's... Um, so I'm going to back you up just a tad. Interesting in and of itself. It's very interesting. And and I know you've enjoyed these challenges through mm-hmm. the years. You've done a lot of them. Um, but did I hear you say moments ago that you are enjoying Inktober and are caught up? Okay. For, um, I'm caught up other than today. So before... Oh, well, today's not done. Today's not done. So I've, I have been keeping up. Nice. And so that's just put, posting an, an, an ink drawing um, every day in October so far. Is it doing an ink drawing every day or posting an ink drawing every day? That is secret. Secret? <laughs> no. Okay, it's... Get Brendan on the phone. Um, <laughs> he's not the one who... So uh, Brendan Dayton created um, a different creative challenge. What? Called I cannot keep this straight. Sketchbook Summer. Oh, that's right. He okay. did the summer. I just knew there was very specific rules around mm-hmm. that one. Oh, yeah, there were. And I, I bombed it pretty bad. Yeah, you still had fun, though. It was fun. Yeah. And so what, what was your um, question? Do you have to post them? Oh, do you have to post them? Or can and, you or just like do, make them each day? Can you just... Oh, every aspect of that. 
right is totally up to you, right? So let's say, let's say you make so thirty just, ink drawings on the first day of October, uh-huh. and you're like, "Hey, here's one every day." That's fine. If you um, make drawings at whatever pace you want and don't post them, uh, I don't really fail. run. You know, I don't run Inktober, but it's um, they did like uh, what's Jake Parker okay. it, who who came up with uh, Inktober, and it's. Um, Baked into the whole, it's, you know, do these five th- or three things or whatever. Basically, make an ink drawing, post it, have the hashtag. Oh, and, sure. So that yeah. you're sharing and building community. Yeah. And at the same time, but uh, I, there are plenty of people sharing and everyone should figure out their own, uh, like, what's your capacity for doing sure. this kind of thing and what's your interest and what what helps you get something out of it. And you're if you're getting something out of it and you're not posting, uh, that's fantastic. And I th- I don't know, I would be I would be surprised if any organizer of a creative challenge said um that that somehow that effort is unworthy. Sure. You know the reason well you of course know the reason I bring it up, but I'll I'll share with the listeners is that so we have had many a discussion through the years, uh, maybe an argument or two, um, a spirited conversation or seven for sure, around um my belief in my inability to draw. And so and your belief that everyone can draw if they just try. Um that's how you say it too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> so at any rate, I have done a couple of drawings um, for Inktober. I'm behind. I am not caught up as you are, but I'll get caught up. Um, I'll yeah. get 30 drawings done this month. 31 drawings done this month. I can count. Um, but I don't I don't post them. And that's why I wondered if I was violating the rules. <laughs> So even but maybe if, what I'll do is maybe I'll... Even if you are, doesn't it feel good to break the rules? Oh, you know how I am. I like to break the rules. But maybe what I'll do, because I'm doing... So far, I'm on, on the same piece of paper. You know what I mean? Oh, So maybe cool. I will just take like a far away shot of that piece of paper and post it once, you know, and maybe through the month, there'll be like three pieces of paper, you know, like 10 drawings-ish on a page. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a fun idea. There's a lot of things you can do to... Uh... I mean, you can just throw a blur filter on on a photo, and and you got some secrecy going on. Well, there's nothing secret about my drawings. I just, uh, I mean, it's it's you an don't insecurity have to share them. at this point. Well, yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Insecurity. That's. Um, have you ever uh, checked out um, the uh, Lucy Bellwoods? Uh, demon dialogue. Yes, that's a wonderful, wonderful book. Yeah. So. Yes, the very experienced artist. God. Beautiful, beautiful drawings. <laughs> I think our demons might be a little different. Interesting. But I totally agree okay. with the sentiment, and and I do enjoy that very much. But yeah. All right. Well, cool. It's yeah, it's awesome to see that you're participating. You know. And it's not, it doesn't have to be public ever. So there, there you go. go. Yeah. Uh, so right. Twice tonight In- we've um, said the same thing at the same time. Mm. Well, it's been like, what, 54-ish podcasts? Yeah. This is 55. 55. 55. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> Did we do that at the same time? Did we? Oh, 55. Man. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So let's talk about the Instapot. What's your favorite thing about the Instapot? I think it's big and shiny and <laughs> it has its own section of our house. That's my favorite thing. Oh my god. Okay. It's like um it's like we adopted a robot that can't do much other than heat up and get really dangerous and you can't let a, if you if you touch the wrong part of it you'll get a steam burn. <laughs> Woohoo! Technology, yay. Yeah. I love my Instapot. Okay. So uh this all started because how do I say that? This all started because I wanted to make yogurt. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So I wanted to make yogurt. So I was looking at, um, well, no, it started because I wanted to increase our fermented foods. Okay. And so if you right. haven't, you can go back and listen to episode 52 where we talk about um, the joys of fermenting food um, and how that didn't and did and didn't work for us. Um, so I started with that, right? I just had some glass jars, so this is easy. I just bought the little lids. That's it. It was a very small investment mm -hmm. to get into making fermented foods. And even at that time, I remember telling you, I really want to also make yogurt, but I'm going to do one thing at a time, which is not necessarily my style. I like to do everything all at one time, but yeah, I was I trying understand to understand this. I was trying to turn over a new leaf and one thing at a time. So we did the fermented foods and. That went how it went. And so then it was uh, a few months later and I was like, okay, I want to make yogurt. Mm -hmm. So I had been looking at yogurt makers. Um, Wait a minute. So what's the difference between a, an Instapot and a yogurt maker? A yogurt maker just makes yogurt. And so this is where I ended up is I'm looking hmm. at these yogurt makers and I'm like, okay, I could buy this yogurt maker. But I don't typically like to buy a single use gadget like a gadget that only does one thing in the, particularly in the kitchen mm. right we have a rice cooker okay so i guess maybe that's an exception but ah it also cooks quinoa it does also cook quinoa that's true yes. so it's dual dual purpose mm -hmm. um so but the yogurt maker basically just keeps that um warm temperature and has a timer on it mm. okay so I ended up doing some research and some reading and trying to look at this, and I'm seeing all these people using their Instapot to make yogurt. And not only that, the Instapot, air quotes, um, has a yogurt button on it. A button you can push says, make me some yogurt. It, okay, that sounds super easy. Right? Yeah. I know, just push that button. Yogurt. Here here we go. Here we go. So... um convinced you that an Instapot would be the best thing ever. And so we, we, we invest in an Instapot, but you can't just have an Instapot. You have to have like the things that go along with the Instapot. It's a family of Instapot, uh, accessories. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important. So that's how it started. Mm -hmm. And I love making yogurt in my Instapot. Making yogurt in the Instapot is I think my favorite thing. So... Is that because of how it went, like, and 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 or and or because you've had a, a chance to do it multiple times, and that it turned out in yeah. a way that yeah, it was good. 
Yeah. I had successful yogurt. I'm clapping for myself. I had successful yogurt making. Mm -hmm. I think I've done it four times. Yep. Um, And it's just, it's an interesting process and I won't bore everybody with exactly how you do it, but it's a little... Give a high level. Okay. Come on. High level. Because it is a little, it is a little like cumbersome, but I love every step of it and I love all of it. So you pour milk into the Instapot and then you hit the yogurt button, but you got to hit the yogurt button a couple times to get it to say boil. And basically what it does is it heats that milk really hot to kill any bacteria that's in there. Mm. Right. Because you don't want to... Not welcome. You don't want to get sick, right? Bacteria, go away. That's right. So you have to you have to heat your milk to 180 degrees. Okay. Um, and like many of these things, you have to heat your milk to 180 degrees. So you take after it's done with its little boil, you take its temperature, make sure it got to 180, and then um, then you take the insta you take the pot out of the insta pot because now you need it to cool down. Totally reminds me of making candles where you have to heat your wax to a certain temperature. Yeah. Then you have to let it cool before you can add your fragrance. Or your essential oils, or whatever you're adding to it, and then mm-hmm. you have to let it cool even further before you pour. Otherwise, you get crappy top um, to the candle, um, not to the yogurt. Okay, crap top yogurt. Crap top yogurt no. wouldn't be good. Okay, so with the yogurt, so then you got to you take it out and you got to let it cool, and then once it gets to the right temperature, then you have to add your um, your good gut bacteria, your probiotic. That hmm. makes yogurt yogurt. Nice. Back to, to the main mission of more. Uh, yep, more healthy fermented food in our mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. So you can do this a couple different ways. You can buy like little powdered um, What's probiotics. Like- Okay. I was going to say acidophilus, but I wasn't sure I was going to be able to pronounce it, but I did okay. Yeah. Um, so you can buy little powdered packets, or you can take some existing yogurt and take a scoop out of that and add that to your yogurt that you're making, which I'm like, what? So that's kind of cool. For me, I wanted to kind of start... But this has to be homemade yogurt, right? Or No, you can buy you could buy yogurt from the store. They, they recommend, hmm. you know, that you get a, you know a really good commercially available yogurt and there's some a lot of different recommendations out there. But I went with the powder for the first one. Mm-hmm. And then when you make yogurt, you just keep a, a quarter cup of your yogurt to use in your next batch. And you can kind of keep using it. So I just throw that in the freezer. I just take and put it in a little container and I throw that in the freezer for then the next one I'm going to make. And so far I've had really good luck. Hmm. So it's been fun. It's been really good. And the the reason for it, you know, right? Why? Because then after it cools down to temperature, you add your probiotic, then you put it back in the Instapot and you tell it to make yogurt again. Okay. And then you set the timer for... Like Alexa? You're like, Instapot, make yogurt. Very much. You push the yogurt button. Oh, you're right, the button. The right number of times. (laughs) What? So... Then you set the timer. Okay. Anywhere from eight to however many hours you want. I typically do eight hours. The more hours you do, the um, more tart your yogurt becomes. More tart? Yes. Eight I, hour yogurt, I'm telling you, is <laughs> the tartest yogurt I've ever put in my mouth. Yes. Yeah. Well, one time I did nine hours. Okay. And I think you definitely noticed a difference. Okay. Um, hmm. So you then have it go for eight hours. So I try to do that part overnight. 
right? And then, yeah. and then boom, you have yogurt. But now you have plain yogurt, right? And we don't eat a lot of plain yogurt. We never have. And that's why it tastes so tart for you. It's plain... Uh, plain it, yogurt. It's pretty intense plain yogurt. Yeah. So yeah. then I add vanilla to it. And that's really all I do with it. And the main mm-hmm. reason for this is because commercially available yogurt has so much sugar in it. So this is a way hmm. to really reduce that amount of sugar that you're getting. And we would buy really healthy yogurt, but it still had a lot of sugar in it. Um, yeah. So now when we eat it, we flip and pour like cover that thing in honey, right? You're not going to just, at least I'm not going to just eat that plain. We're going to add honey, but honey is a pretty healthy sweetener, a pretty decent sweetener. I've got some agave. We Mm -hmm. can try that too. Um, One of the kids did use some syrup. Um, Oh, like maple syrup? Maple syrup. Yeah. They had, they were having pancakes and then they asked for a little yogurt and they had some maple syrup left over. I said, Hey, you can just pour that right in your yogurt. And they really liked that. Oh, that, so just That's kind clever. of using a more natural sweetener hmm. um, instead of having all the other stuff. So it was really good. I Yeah, it's it's turned out to be, yeah, super yummy. So I'm very excited With, about... You know, adding a little bit of sweetener and maybe some granola. Yeah, oh yeah. Fruit. Yeah, some berries and some and granola. It's, uh, it's kind of wild that, that that was produced like in our kitchen. Right. Um, so... I, I I dig it. So then I, I, gonna, I oh go ahead. Who's going to say first? The uh, what do they call it? The elephant in the room. Which one? It's not instant. It's not the Instapot not being it's, instant. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about some of the other things we've made in the air quote Instapot. Yeah. Um. But I, but on the yogurt topic, I will say one of the things I did also invest in is a yogurt strainer. Yep, yep. So when it's done, your that yogurt is pretty. Um, it's not thick. It's pretty thin. I couldn't think of the word. It's pretty thin. Well, it's like it's some thinness, but the but the yogurt's in there. Oh yeah. So but yeah, like, so it's definitely got a lot of extra liquid yeah so there's a little strainer a special um you know you can use any strainer and i've used just kind of a metal strainer but then i also use this very fine mesh strainer that was really nice and i like that that um made some very nice kind of thicker yogurt like we like it okay but yeah I want to talk about just a couple quickly, and I won't belabor the Instapot, but a couple other things that we made. So we made this amazing, spicy... Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, curry, basically. Like a tofu curry stir-fry, um, which we quickly <laughs> learned we also had to get out the rice cooker because the Instapot was busy. It was, it was <laughs> occupied. One of the rationale yes. uh, factors... For the Instapot of like, well, you know, it's uh, one device. It, it can cook more than one thing and all that. Um, turns out, well, yeah, it can, cook, it can cook more than one thing, but not in the same meal. Right. So it's, it's also a rice cooker, but we had to get out a rice cooker because we were using the Instapot for the, the tofu curry. That was so good. I think it had cashews in it and a bunch of good things. But here's the thing is, so you've got mm-hmm. a saute setting. So you're sauteing up your food in the Instapot, and um, that's just like you're sauteing on the stove. You know, you put yeah. oil in. But and it's, like, it's like uh, sauteing in a bucket. 
In a bucket, yeah, you're sautéing in the Instapot bucket. Mm-hmm. So you do that, and then you add a bunch of your liquids, and then you close the lid, and you lock the pressure seal, and then you put it on high pressure. <laughs> and you only have to high pressure cook it for like three minutes. Oh, sweet, this is the Instapart. Only it's going to take that pressure cooker a good 10, 12 minutes to get up to temperature or to get it's to build to- it's pressure. Like calling tech support, being like, <laughs> we're really fast to handling your call in a half an hour. Yeah. But once we get to you, boom, it's going to go so quick. Single call resolution. No problem. So that kind of thwarted me a little bit a couple times. Mm. So, because we did the. The stir fry. We did um, some really good oatmeal, amazing oatmeal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, it just it took a while to get up to pressure, and then it would cook. And then, like you said, so builds up to pressure. Then you pressure cook it for two, three minutes. Mm-hmm. Now it's done, but you have a pressurized explosive device sitting on your kitchen counter <laughs> right on your counter you can't just like open it up and eat yeah. the food you have to um, let the pressure naturally decrease yeah and that takes some time so you could either <laughs> or both burn and or mace yourself depending on what's inside yes you got some good spices and it's really delicious uh yeah that was like a Tom Ka. It almost tasted like Yeah, right? it did. It did. Yeah, because it's uh, right, because there was coconut curry. Yeah. And <laughs> anyway, it's uh, delicious and dangerous. So here's the few things that I've learned. Which, honestly, that should be their tagline on the <gasps> box. It's delicious. And dangerous. Yes. That's nice. I like mm-hmm. that. So a few things that I've learned is some of the Insta part of it is... You're not having to stand over a hot stove and kind of continually stir and manage the Mm. food you're cooking because it's all contained in there. You close the lid, you can go do something else for 15, 20 minutes. So that's part of the draw. And I will say we did that with with the steel cut oats and the oatmeal is, you know, put everything in there, hit the buttons and then, you know, went away on our day. And came back later, and there was breakfast. Hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, true. So that's that's part of it. But okay, are they also inferring that you're supposed to take pictures of this and post it on a social network? No, that also starts with Insta. No, because I had, I had assumed that's a branding choice. Like, I don't think so. Gotta gram this stuff. No, nope. you know, maybe there may be some. There may be something I'm missing. I haven't. Um, they haven't come and take it away that yet. Okay. Well, nope. you know. Okay. Food for thought. <laughs> I'll look into that. Um, so then some of the other things that it can do that sound pretty cool is it can make hard-boiled eggs. Haven't tried that yet. That sounds extra dangerous. I think it's going to be good. It just explodes the, in there. Yeah, I bet it'll be good. The ones that live through it, right? Honey, none of them live through it. It's the point, right? It's the... As the vegans say, it's a chicken period. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I've never used a pressure cooker before this. Have you ever used a pressure cooker? Because they've been around. No, no. I mean, I've seen them in, like, the kitchen of folks as a 
as a kid, right? Oh, you had? Like, yeah. I don't think I'd ever even seen one. But I've never seen one in use. Yeah. Because guaranteed, like, there wasn't as many instructions and steps to, like, yeah. navigate the whole, hey, yeah, you got a whole, like, it's a kind of a bomb in your house, but as long as you're cool with these steps and whatever. I yeah. mean, before it was automated, I'd assume it was it was a lot more yeah, there is a thing tricky. Yeah, there's a thing called a stovetop pressure cooker. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've you know not seen one or used one, but this is my first kind of entree into pressure cooking, and I don't think I ever experienced it or came across it as a kid. Um, I never saw one in use. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen them like at least half a dozen times because it's been around for a very long time, like 1600s. Wow. Yeah, a French man. Dennis Papin. Huh. Yeah, he had been doing a lot of work with pressure and steam. And for some reason, he felt compelled to bring that into cooking. Um, yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. So Did he make something cool with it? With what? With his Dennis Poppin machine? Yeah, you can make yogurt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, All right. we don't use the pressure cooker for the yogurt, but, um, yeah, a lot, I mean, so lots of things. And so there's a lot of information out there about, you know, Hey, or a lot of questions I should say, um, around, is this healthy? Is it healthy to eat pressure cooked food? Mm. And they're like, absolutely. Because, um, it's, it's a steam base, right? You put water in when you're doing the pressure cooking, you put some water in or you make sure you've got liquids in. And so it's a steam and a pressure kind of situation, rapidly cooking the food. And they're saying that it can actually lead to um, more nutrients in your food um, because some of the other methods of cooking cook out more nutrients and the um, rapidness of the pressure cooking contain, keeps it contained. I don't well, know. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd be curious to learn more about about that because intuitively, the idea of it is truly contained and holds this volume of whatever subs, substance is in there isn't coming out, right? Right. Whereas if you're cooking on the stove, substance it's it's going out all over the place. It's like yep, stuff steaming and <laughs> whatever. It it just goes away, evaporates, and and um, steams. It, Floats into your face. I was thinking more ceiling. of the splattering that happens in our kitchen, and yeah, you know, that <laughs> happens too. <laughs> so one thing that I thought was really interesting when I was kind of learning about the pressure cooker because I was a little intimidated. I'll be honest, I was intimidated because um, when you get it and you kind of read through the quick start manual, it does have you basically put water in it and, and do the pressure thing just to um, test it out and make sure the seal is working, and and to also I think introduced you to hey hot steam coming out of this valve when you when you flip this valve yeah um you know so there's like a little kind of test thing that you do so i was thinking about wow I, you know again my experience i have not experienced pressure cooker so i went and did a little looking and research and you know again it's been around for um hundreds of years it's very old and okay. so it's made me start to think are there are there other old technologies that are kind of making a fresh resurgence. Does oh. that make sense? So things that had happened before, been talked about, used, yeah. experienced before that are, okay, um, getting popular again, kind of like how just some generation's music becomes interesting again or... Sure. Okay. 
but like this is something where again there's a whole generation of people and there are oh my goodness blog posts and blog posts and recipes and Pinterest is just filled with all of the amazing things you can make with your Instapot I mean there are entire Pinterest boards devoted to non-food things you can make in your Instapot what wait what yeah like candles you want to melt your candle wax here do it in your Instapot you want to make I don't know I can't think of anything else but I soap I don't know so we do make candles um for actually basically every year for a number of years yeah and I uh, can't even imagine choosing to do that in an Instapot. Yeah. There's a lot of things. I, wow. I don't have a whole list in front of me. But yeah, okay. so you see, you see all sorts of people doing very different things in their Instapot and making a lot of different things in their I Instapot. I guess it, it's a programmable heat source. Yes. Huh. Okay. So, but then when I look again back at, you know, actual pressure cooking. Mm-hmm. That's been around for a long time, and there are there are different cultures that that is a key way of um, kind of doing making food. Okay, and so at least a couple couple blog articles I read. You know, I didn't do thorough um, historical analysis on this. You did not go to your local college and then delve into their their stacks. their stacks. No, I did not. Okay, um, I did a little research as I was kind of you know learning what different things to cook and whatnot. Sure. And I was very intrigued by this whole pressure cooking thing. Um, and so now I just feel like there's a whole new wave of people like learning this and trying this and doing this. I mean, this this does happen where ideas are explored and tried, mm-hmm. but then aren't necessarily ready to adopt. And you Well, know, or even if they were adopted and then now it's kind of coming back, somebody put it in a rice cooker looking machine so yeah i mean so it has a, it has a form factor that's approachable it's it's yeah. very self-contained there you it's, go it's not I, I mean i can see how you know, this this version has elements that prior versions didn't have right because i'm sure dennis the french person was not <laughs> necessarily um having a lot of automation in his approach no, to, I know, will. I putting will. some kind of because what in the world did he use to seal that thing? Right? I mean, I'm sure he would he wrap a darn <laughs> pot in a bunch of leather so it didn't like allow the lid to go anywhere. Wow. Well, here's a picture of one. I will share this um, in the notes from 1890. Now he developed this in the 1600s, but there's one from 1890. Oh wow! Yeah, that looks uh, forged for the purpose. Yeah. Because it has like a like a, a lid and handle where the handle helps clamp the lid yeah, down. Yeah, there's, yep. Okay. Yeah, that's going to, so here you are heating up a vessel that has stuff inside that all includes things that are going to go from liquid form to gaseous form. And then it's like, hi, I'm a gas and I'm taking up more space than you have available in here. But somehow... The force that's exerted by that expansion is being contained yes. because it's a sturdy contain- container. That's it's sealed. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's eighteen hundred something. What else are you going to do? Right. Okay. Forge a pressure cooker. Cook a rack of ribs. 
<laughs> okay. Sure. Is that a thing? Yeah. I will say, you know, we are vegetarian, so our use of the pressure cooker is, I think, a little bit more limited than, than some because my meat-eating friends um, are all in love with, you know, I can put, you know, X pounds of chicken in and have it done in, you oh. know, 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't measure the value of equipment based on chicken pounds. No. But, you know, yeah, um, yeah to each their, their own. And um, it, it seems like an interesting device. And, and, it, and it did take some time where um, it's not like the pressure cooker showed up in a box in, you know, on our doorstep and was like instantly, obviously, you know, going to deliver on all its promises. So Yeah, no, we've had to work with it. You know, I was intimidated by it. I think it. when we did our little teaser... All we did was what the water test or the tomka, right? I think I'd made my first yogurt. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. And I liked it, but we weren't quite ready. And now you've made like what four or five? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. All right, there you go. That's what we know about the Instapot. Hmm. I'm gonna make some. I make an oatmeal tomorrow. Honestly, so Instapot. Are there more than one option to buy? I don't know. Okay. So Yeah, well, I mean, the Instapot itself comes in three sizes. I can tell oh, you that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm just feeling a little bit of like, ah, it'd be nice to have them as a sponsor for, the, for this episode. And, you know, that is what it is. Too funny. All right. Do you have some picks tonight? Do you think we should move on to picks? We do that thing, the poll picks thing. Um, I was wondering if there's a little bit of a, uh, like you asked me a question a couple hours ago that (laughs) was, um, that kind of planted a seed that ended up informing my pick. (gasps) No way. Yeah. Do tell, do tell. Uh, Because, well, my pick is, um, it's. Do you have art or science tonight? I have science. But what's funny is uh, there's... Uh, I'm trying to go through my browser tabs, which are, you know... Many? Many. And what's funny is I've closed more than half of the, of the browser tabs I normally have open. And I'm just going to pick um, machine learning for artists. That and sounds simple. Yeah, it's... Not really, but it didn't sound simple. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, "Uh, yeah, I've been there. I did that. So that's an interesting project that um, provides like a series of explorations and lessons and uh, source code and data to explore machine learning. But in a way that's like more approachable if your primary interest is uh, computer science. Okay. Or you know, you're, you're coming from like a really math background. I'm going to ask a dumb question. Can okay. you give me a definition of machine learning? Machine learning is essentially using statistics and algorithms together. So you use uh, that didn't help me likeliness in some data and some some set of rules to. Um, it's almost like, okay, so if, if our lawn is data 
And a set of rules is like a pattern for how we mow the lawn. Okay. Okay. Um, machine learning would be like helping explore like what pattern works well based on a certain criteria. Like how much gas do we have for the lawnmower? How much... Um, Rain? Sure. Yeah. How long is the grass? All that kind of stuff. And machine learning can help identify patterns in data. Okay. Because of... Do the machines actually Likeliness learn? in statistics. Do they learn? They end up developing models which is a um, like a framing of sets of likeliness for certain attributes to be a certain way. Like mm-hmm. I, I get what models if, are. Yeah. Okay. And what this would be, if any listener listener wanted to uh, j- to jump into it, um, it's an adventure. Like depending on how comfortable you are with coding or not. Okay, so and, medium, yeah, light. And so it's uh, and so this is, but but it's a rich resource of interesting things to explore. And I've like attended a workshop by the uh, one of the folks that is uh, a founder of this, uh, Gene Kogan, and uh, that was a few years back. But um, but it's but it's a neat resource to get exposed and like de demystify this stuff that is often spoken of in headlines or articles related to computers and AI and how things running on other people's computers in the cloud are going to take your job or <laughs> or do something magical for right. your life or, yeah. or both. Take your job and, you know, make your life more convenient, whichever. Um, nice. I just I'm I'm back at the are the machines going to rise up, and then that would be the idea of what is like a general intelligence that machines could exhibit to do stuff. And what's funny is related to your um, your thoughts about the the Instapot. Oh yes, that's the, right. The newest member of our family. The newest member of our family, Instapot. Yeah, it has its own room, and. Uh, <laughs> It does. <laughs> kind of almost <laughs> slight exaggeration. I just haven't found a spot in the kitchen for it yet. So mm. it's sitting in this little room by itself. Anyway, yeah. Like I said, it's not entirely uh, fictional, that joke. Anyway, um, uh, let's see. So I was looking to pull up a timeline of like computer-based intelligence. Be- oh. Yeah. And here we go. Navigating my browser tabs, I have it up here. There's a timeline of artificial intelligence that you know I'll link to in, in the show notes. We will. And if you go back, the first item on this timeline is like to antiquity, um, you know, like before 1900. So there's uh, um, what I thought was interesting was uh, do 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 do. Let's see. They mentioned. Blaise Pascal and sorry, it's a long timeline. Uh, boop, boop, boop. Blaise Pascal Great, was 1642. Yeah, 1642. Uh, I am not a pro at navigating this timeline, but I came across a concept. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Blaise 
Blaise Pascal in 1642 invented the mechanical calculator. And okay, then there's, of course, the classic uh, example of Charles Babbage and Ada Lovelace, who worked on programmable mechanical machines. And that's the whole, uh, the difference engine that they were working on and the ability to instruct it. Oh, sure. What year was that? Um, uh, It was uh, a, a, a range of years from 1822 to 1859. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, Ada Lovelace is credited with inventing, I mean, essentially computer programming. Nice. So yeah, that's pretty wild. And then more or less Charles Babbage being, you know, and, and Ada co-credited with inventing the idea of a computer, a general purpose computer. Say. So, yeah. Blaise Pascal was in 1642. Yeah. I wonder if Blaise Pascal was friends with my uh, Frenchman who developed the pressure cooker. Wait, what year was that? 16... Let me find my timeline. That was late 1600s. Because, I mean, you get these um, these blips of interest over time. Yeah. And... You know, I used to have 1600s. Like I the, don't have a the year. desire to to make things. Oh, 1679. Repeatable and automatable. 1679. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's quite possible. So um, let's see. Oh, yeah. There was this, this other example of uh, Aristotle described the syllogism in 384 BC. And that's like a method, a method of formal mechanical thought. Oh, wow. So how you could take two things that you presume are true and then explore them and understand. Very interesting. So machine learning has been around a long time, but a now there's very long time. a new kind of renewed interest and set of tools to help it become more approachable. Exactly. Wow. Blew like, my mind. Just like the... Newest member, newest member of our family. Just like the pressure cookers of today. Do you have a name for it? No. You say Insta. I do. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. But um, okay. So that's cool. Yeah. So my pick is is digging deeper into the idea of automating things and the also the you know based on what you shared earlier the uh, before the podcast. Um, Stuff that has happened before, and and um, like people have thought about it and explored it. I think that's cool. Yet it feels like it's new based on based on in you know this this other version, uh, but it's based on uh, ideas that have happened before. I like it. I think it's so, interesting because you know history teaches us a lot, and um, I just I like trying to find those connections when there are new things out there. So that's kind of fun for me. Yeah. I uh, Awesome. I have a couple more things I could link to or whatever, but uh, this, um, <clears throat> if, if you think about computers being able to think and uh, that being a recurring historical item that uh, in, in the modern age, that our ideas related to this really did sort of start in the 1950s. So even then... Oh, wow, sure. The the, the late 50s and early 60s and how... uh, The 1950s and 1960s. 
and um, let's see, like the I let's do, do, do what was the the coining of the term artificial intelligence happened. Um, let's see, it was a conference that someone set up to bring bring a group of people together, and that was somewhere in the in the sixties, but. Um, this, and like, I have encountered this a few different times dealing with, um, video games and how do you get, um, how do you make a thing that's automated that has interesting patterns to interact with? Sure. And so the, anyway, just, I wanted to give a high, a couple of flag highlight, you know, pointers to, um, two different ideas. One of them being the, the A star algorithm. And that is that is a um, that's an approach that helps. It's often used for pathfinding. So if there's a character in a place trying to get to somewhere else and it needs to navigate the place, it's using like a set of rules to say what's the least expensive way oh, sure. to get to that to that point A to B. Yeah, interesting. And so and that's, that's called A star. A star. Yeah. Interesting. And that was uh, something I used quite a bit, and I was um, experimenting with a way to use that to navigate conversations with a game I was making in, like, you know, a while back. And anyway, like, that was called Jinhanu 2004, you know, whatever. If you follow other podcasts I do, you'll have other references have to that. Have heard of that. <laughs> and um, then there is uh, Behavior Trees, which is an interesting, more organized way to approach having a computer be intelligent about deciding among a list of things. And okay. I have a little piece of code that I'll link to too in, in there that I built a behavior tree um, thing, like algorithm structure in Python. Oh, cool. The programming language. And then there's an article that I think is really good about that as far as the uses of a behavior tree. And um, and that that's on the uh, the website uh, Gamma Sutra, which is another game community thing. Nice. Yeah, I think you did that thing you do. Oh, I did that and then some. You put multiple picks into your one pick. Oh no! You I you only did. picked one pick. You you did. You're like my pick today is science, and here is 18 websites I'd like to share about science. My pick was machine learning for artists. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's okay because I have um, almost no like resources for my pick. So you can just have all of the resources for your pick. Awesome. No worries. And I'm just saying that, that uh, due to your prompt a couple hours ago, I, got, I, just, I did a deep dive. And I was like, oh, how can I help? Yeah, you connected a lot of point? dots. Yeah, so there you go. That was nice. I like how you do that. Yeah. Trying to use the whole misuse of a pick for good. <laughs> well, there you go. Success. Awesome. We'll count that as success. I broke the rules. You did. <laughs> you were such a it. punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Premise of the show. Okay, so what do you have as a pick? I imagine it would be art-related. It is art-related. Well, I think it's art-related. Sure. It's a little bit sleep related. Hmm. Do you want to guess? Uh, sleep tracking? Nope. That's not art. Um, wait, wait, what? 
Dreamcatchers. Oh, cool. So Dreamcatchers and the other day, a week or so ago, our um, impromptu creative session. I had kids who needed to, who were kind of just at each other's nerves, you know, sometimes they just have those moments and they needed some structure. They needed Mm. some direction and it was a beautiful day and we were outside and we have this um, river, uh, river birch tree in our front yard that is the bearer of twigs all the freaking time. It throws twigs at you. I mean... You're like, oh, that's a nice tree. And now you're like, poof, yeah, ow, twig, twig in the ow. Yeah, it's crazy. The thing sheds like like a long-haired cat in the summer. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So we went to the tree, and we picked up a bunch of branches, and we went to the backyard. And then I you know, turned on water, which you know that pretty much could have entertained them for hours, but... The purpose was to soak the branches, so I'm impromptu going to make them, going to have them make dream catchers. So they soaked the branches, but not for nearly long enough. Um, but that's okay. And then kind of picked their branches, and all I did was I showed them pictures um, of dream catchers and kind of what they look like, and so. They bent their branches into a circle, and then we took yarn and just kind of made random yarn designs across it. And then I grabbed a bunch of random ribbon, and they hung ribbons from them. And they turned out really cute. I mean, there's very there's a, a ton of different ways you can make dream catchers, and you know you see a lot of different crafts online that start with like an embroidery hoop, and then cover that in yarn or cover that in washi tape. And then, you know, kind of run your yarn through it um, hmm. to, make the, pretty precise. to make the webbing pattern. Oh, I've seen some tutorials online that even kind of really show you how to do intricate webbing patterns, like very specific. And then, you know, the different things you can hang from, from the Dreamcatcher, from ribbons to lace to feathers. Um, I've seen some kid-based ones that are really cute where they – um, cut out felt shapes and and sew felt shapes to ribbon and hang that from them. Hmm. But ours was just pretty, like, again, it was very quick and very impromptu. And it was really funny because we were almost done with the project and it kind of clicked and connected for the kids. And our older child said to the younger child, hey, do you know what this does? And we hadn't really talked about that yet because we were, you know, just kind of in, engaged in in the building. And so when the older kid explained that the dream catcher, you hang it above your bed and it catches your bad dreams um, and her version of it, and it gives you good dreams. You <laughs> you ask it for what kind of dreams you would like. And it's then the Instapot for it, dreams. It totally is. And then it just gives you what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it blocks your bad dreams. And that really connected for our little one who's been having a lot of, of nightmares. I mean, she's just kind of developmentally at that stage. And so boy, oh boy, if that dream catcher didn't go above her bed, like in the next five minutes, I think, you know, yeah, it was, it was very important and they've had them up now, but it was kind of a fun one. So I'll put some, um, I'll try and pull some links to just some pictures of dream catchers. Okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't have like a formal tutorial that we followed. I'm sure there are some out there, but I mean, it was still a fun. It sounds like you improvised a lot. We totally improvised it. And again, all I did was show them pictures and, you know, 
tied some yarn onto the twig. And I like that they made them from the twigs, you know, using something from the yard and having something a little bit more rustic than going to the store and buying kind of the perfectly round hoop, you know, which are very pretty and can be nice too. But this was just, I think, more what we needed that day was Mm. just to kind of look around the house for the things that we have and look around the yard and what can we make out of that. And it turned out it turned out really nice, so I wanted to share that as my pick. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. So you have a pick, but don't you have like 10 other links to share along with it? No, I have none at this moment, but I'll see if I can't find some. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not belittling that. I just thought that's how that's how picks work, right? <laughs> um, you know what I will put a link to is river birch trees in case anybody would like one to plant and then have it rain twigs in their yard all the time. Oh, that sure does. It's uh yeah, it's raining twigs. It's raining twigs. All right, well, I think that wraps us up for today. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our Art and Science Punks community. Robbie, where can the people find us online? Well, so, you know, we're on a couple of different social networks, right? And uh, as as, um, up and down as that may be, the whole socializing in the platforms provided by disruptive companies and whatnot, but it's kind of nice to say hi to one another out there. And uh, if you'd like to do that, we are art and science punks on instagram but yet on twitter we are there's no and we are art science punks fantastic and you can find our podcast feed at artsciencepunks.fireside.fm where you can also sign up for our upcoming newsletter we are also available on apple podcasts and google play podcasts where we would appreciate your kind words and ratings thank you and you can reach me at our (laughs) art and science punks instagram Excellent. And well, you know, I'm, I'm on Instagram as Rob Stenzinger and that non so secret name works in a lot of different social network places such as Twitter. Thanks. Keep building, making and sharing. I don't know what to say. The cat is attacking me. Oh my gosh. She's like full on biting me. The whole last part, she stood up and dug her claws into my leg, and then she couldn't get them out. She fought my foot twice. (laughs) She did fight your foot twice. All right, lesson learned. Yeah. She does not get invited back. We we normally shut the door and have the cat on the other side of the door. And then she knocks on the door. Once in a while, she shakes it down. She's like, let me in. And, you know, we keep rolling because we have microphones with a pretty tight little cone. I know. And it's probably not that hearable.